This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That's Podgo dot C-O. And be sure to enter our name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody. I am <laughs> so incredibly sad right now. Um, essentially, what happened is that Ray and I recorded the entire episode only to realize afterwards that i was using my default macbook microphone instead of this crispy amazing sounding microphone so oh god i'm like this is this is horrible but the uh, like we don't have really a choice so this is just a little disclaimer. The entire episode, my audio just sounds not great. So I'm sorry. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you to episode number 67, where today we're going to be talking about Something that everyone knows. Something that everyone sees. Uh, not everybody. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, shit. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The topic of today's conversation is light. Yeah, sorry. I don't, I, that was so... That was kind of like a... No, no, it's all That was good. not my it's intention. That was not my intention whatsoever. It was just a way of kind of hyping up the topic. So today we're going to be talking about light. The electromagnetic carrier... And obviously a little more into the physics of light, a little bit about the spectrum itself. And uh, yeah, just diving deep mm. into what uh, what surrounds us. Everywhere. Wait, one thing that's actually pretty interesting about blind people is that if you think about, like, if you close your eyes, you're like, oh, this is what blind people see. But it's, it's like, hold on one second. You see black, right, when you close your eyes, but you're still seeing black. Blind, uh, blind people just don't see at all, right? Yeah, but they, so, they still see. I mean, no, what do they, you mean? No, what do you they mean? Don't see, they still see black. No, they, they don't like, see. They still see nothing. Right, they don't see. That's what being blind it's not like is. they don't have eyes, like, man. Okay, I'm not talking about legally blind, because some people can actually see, like, shapes and, and, and shadows and colors and things. So you're talking about, like, completely, talking about, like, totally like, blind. Like, if you, if you, like, don't have eyes, you know, you don't see obviously that's exactly. different if you are... don't have eyes okay, anyways. i'm not saying if you don't have anyways. eyes bro i'm saying i'm saying anyways. if you're just blind like you know some people again i'm not very good with the biology here i know it's a simple explanation but i have not <laughs> made the time to search it up but i know there is a reason for why two people can be totally blind with their whole pupil situation and i'm pretty sure that they still have the eyes and I'm right. quite certain that anyway. they just see nothing, okay, so, which is like just blackness. So topic of the week is light, okay, let's, everybody. Let's get to we're, we're talking about light. 
and yeah. photons yeah. and everything related to yeah. light. Why? Because light is so mysterious, amazing. It's it the gateway to quantum mechanics. It is, it is, you know, a part of special relativity, general relativity. Mm. Everything kind of hinges around what we call light. And so before we actually get into the topic of light, we have our news, our news segment that we run every single week. We are actually now past 10,000 followers on Spotify. Let's go. That's amazing. Let's go. I think right now we're at, we're at 10,200 and something. So thank you. Wait, 200 already? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hey, that's decent. So, so yeah. thank you too. Wow, man, seriously. We have we have been uh we've been wanting this for quite some time, eh? The 10k was always mm. a big number in our mm. minds and I mean, who who doesn't? I'm right? waiting for 100. Hyping up this 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 I mean, the 100 is the next obstacle for sure. Well, 50 is the next one. Then 100 for sure. But I think uh I think the 10,000 follower mark, especially only on Spotify. Our cumulative followers were 10,000 quite a while ago. But our, this is just our Spotify because Spotify is like our number one platform by far, mm -hmm. <laughs> like a major lead. So thank you to everyone that continues to listen there. And we always recommend and encourage you, if you want to ever see us, you know, hop on YouTube. Give us that quick subscribe, comment for the algorithm. You know, sure, sure. Let people know about the Math and Physics podcast. Yeah. We also passed 150,000 downloads. So that's cool. Decent. That's cool, I guess. Decent. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. Thank you. Make sure to follow, subscribe, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And make sure to leave a comment under this YouTube video in order to be the comment of the week, who this week goes to Shreya. She says, okay. hell yeah, this is exciting. Referring to the, uh, the merch that we announced last week. She said, my broke ass, got to start saving. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so hey. speaking about merch, by the way, um, announced last week, what we we have just like very simple designs. Releasing some T-shirts. We're gonna be posting on Instagram. We're uh, I'm gonna release like like I think like four different like images, and then you guys can go and vote on Instagram. And whichever one uh, gets voted the most, we're going to do a giveaway. We're gonna do a giveaway of our very first piece of merch. So we're going to do something where you like, you have to share it, share the post. I don't know. Do like tags. I don't know. Yeah, we can like think that. about that. So Shreya, so you and, don't um, need to worry because your broke ass doesn't matter. You don't need no, this is a giveaway. <laughs> so I just wanted to, wanted okay. to point that out. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I after, like that, after the giveaway. No, you said that wrong, but anyways. Uh, after <laughs> You know what I meant, though. You know what I meant, because it's the way she said it in the comment. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. just, I wanted to replicate for sure, for that. Sure. So after the giveaway, I think we're going to do, like, we're going to open, like, on a, on a website, we're going to open the orders for, like, two weeks, something like that. After the two-week mark, boom, we're going to, you know, actually make the t-shirts, ship them out, and that'll be our first round of merch. So... Obviously, keep your eyes peeled on Instagram for amazing math and physics podcast merch. Anything mm -hmm. else, Ray? I don't think there is any other news. 
Is there? Um, we're at YouTube. We hit, uh, I think, our 700 subscriber mark. So that was nice. Cool. So cool. we're uh, we're chilling on YouTube, close to the thousand subscribers. So you know, get us there. Uh, if you guys, all the listeners out there, always hop on YouTube, okay. search us up. You know, Math and Physics Podcast. So here we go. So, Jumping into the topic of light. Why? Light. Why is light so so interesting? Okay, one of the things we talked about this. Back in episode number three, constants in nature. The speed of light mm. is a constant. And it doesn't matter at which velocity you're going. It's the same speed in every inertial frame of reference, which is a little bit counterintuitive. But nevertheless, it's true. Um, the speed of light is a constant called C, and it's what, like 298, 99, 99, yeah. 99 so it's, it's very close to yeah. 300. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very fast, you know, very, how do you say, you know, unnoticeable. That's why when you turn on the, the light in your room, you don't actually see, you know, the, the, the delay between you turning on the light and the light reaching your eyes because it's so incredibly That's fast. That's also with electricity, though. That's I also guess. to do with the speed of electrons in the wire. But like, yeah, but I, I get your yeah. point. Well, actually, yeah, actually, that, that's not quite true. <laughs> no, because electrons. No, but I I know what you mean because technically electrons are not flowing in the wire because they'll always be present yeah. in the wire. So it's like kind of instantaneous. But the, I know what you mean. The signal like, like, moves at the speed of light on. as well. Yeah, it, I was just saying it also depends on that and then yeah. that light emitting. Yeah, so, which is still unnoticeable. Um, I think the number. I think the figure is like in one second light can go around the earth nine times seven seven, seven? seven times? I, I thought it was seven. nine but seven yeah some big which is, which is big a, 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 like actually incredible and then another quick fact if you didn't know it's like what eight and a half minutes to go from the sun to here yep. and like one yep. second to go to the moon at the speed of light probably really fast but I know eight and a half minutes for the sun for sure, like eight minutes, 34 seconds, mm -hmm. something like mm -hmm. that. But I'm not too sure about the moon. But anyways, but all of this that we're talking about, interestingly, I've noticed how none of it is actually light. It's all to do with the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everything that we talk about, especially, you know, with relativity, when we're talking about with, uh, well, special or general relativity, any form of relativity that we talk about photons in. Or when we're talking about these, uh, <clears throat> this mysterious force traveling at this, you know, this infinite, like this infinite, almost capped speed of the universe. What's interesting isn't the force, which we will be talking about today, which is exactly the point of this episode. But what, as we're discussing right now, what's also interesting is the, is the speed. And that's the more interesting thing. Mm. The fact that the speed is somehow, or at least to our knowledge so far, the fastest thing anything can possibly attend or anything can possibly reach to. And everything in the universe is dependent on mm -hmm. that speed. And everything. The Relativity itself, right, is based like time, how much it dilates is based off of your velocity from the speed of light. So it's completely based on the fact that that yeah. guy is... And one thing that should be emphasized is it's not only like, like atoms that can't move quicker than the speed of light. It's also down to information itself that can't travel faster than the speed of light. For example, if Ray 
<laughs> you're one light year away. And I wanted to like put in, I had an idea in my head that I wanted to put in your head. There's no way that that idea can get into your head. Not by Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, me caught. There's no way. There's no way in the universe that this my the idea in my head can reach your head less in, in less than a year. That is actually that doesn't violate the. <laughs> it doesn't. No. It doesn't exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. No, no, I I just wanted to say quantum entanglement because of we were talking about the whole information traveling at this cap speed and how it was you know literally the biggest one of one of the biggest mysteries in physics einstein himself you know um called it spooky action at a distance the famous the famous phrase because even he himself did not believe that that was such a thing right somehow information not information but just superpositions transferring instantaneously can lead to an, a decoding of information so that whole process in physics is so interesting and yeah, seem, seems to destroy the whole information thing, but doesn't really because the whole and the whole point of this thing is fundamentally why? Why is this photon or this light that we call it, why does it travel at this fundamental speed? And it's all got to do with, well, what is light? Light is just a combination of electric and magnetic waves. And the particle that we say that carries the force, and we're going to talk about this in a sec, I'm getting ahead of myself, I know, but the particle that we say that carries this electromagnetic force, the photon, is said to be massless. Now, any particle in the universe that is massless will travel at the speed of light. So the speed of light isn't really because of light, it's just the fastest speed possible. It's just that light happens to be massless, fundamentally speaking, so it travels at this fastest speed that we happen to call the speed of light. Even a gluon, for example, I know I'm getting a little aside here, but even a gluon, for example, the strong nuclear force travels at the speed of light because it's massless. So all massless particles, why? Because of their, because what just happened? Yeah, so, so gluons, fundamentally due to their property of being massless do not interact with the higgs field <laughs> quick uh quick uh thing to episode 64 with uh, dr don lincoln where we were talking about the higgs boson and the higgs field and particles that don't interact with this field travel at this enormous speed that we happen to call the speed of light mm -hmm. right and that's basically you know the whole the whole light the, the whole the whole reason the speed is so cool mm -hmm. And not, yeah. not only is the speed intriguing, but as I said earlier, photons, for me, I mean, there, there are other entryways, I guess, to quantum mechanics, but to me, photons are the true gateways to quantum mechanics in multiple ways as well. The first way is that photons are packets of energy, packets of, of bite size. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say indivisible because you can have like different energy photons, but you know they come in. No, it's divis. It's totally divisible, right? It's HF. Yeah, but I mean, like one photon itself is its own like singular quantized packet of energy, right? So, so you know, what does that even mean, right? Because I did we ever really define like what a quantized packet of energy is? 
No, yeah. I don't. I mean, I think we went over it in an episode where we were talking about like quanta and like the whole definition of where quantum came oh, from, yeah. maybe. I guess we could. And but I don't think we went into it. You can go. Well, anyways, it it basically just means that you know if you are emitting a photon, then you like let's say you're emitting a photon at uh, frequency or at wavelength lambda, then. Uh, Wait, what? It, what? What? What's the equation again? We haven't done this in in, in like a year. Yeah, <laughs> energy system. energy equals uh, e equals hf is your right, right, right. E equation. equals hf. So 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 you divide h by the wavelength, and you get that set amount of energy. So for example, when or h or h times velocity over the wavelength. Sure. Because frequency yeah, equals yeah, velocity yeah. over wavelength. So um, when you look at the uh, what's it called? The photoelectric effect. Boom! Yeah. That's when that's when you get to see like the particle side slash like quantized wave packet side of photons, where you know you can actually see the effects of like singular photons being absorbed by electrons and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but when you start looking at different, you know, different experiments, different setups you start talking about waves. And as I just did, which is kind of very counterintuitive, which is, you know, the entire topic of quantum mechanics is counterintuitive. But notice how I was talking about quantized photons that are, you know, particle-like. But I use the word wavelength when describing the energy of this of this photon. So where do, you know, where does the wave actually come into play, right? Well, you know, this was one of the greatest debates of all time, excluding the Niels versus Einstein debate. And it, it's, you know, what is light? Is light a wave? Is light a particle? When you get into high school physics, they kind of just tell you it's both and, you know, just accept that it's both. And then when you get to university, they say the same thing. Because truly, we don't know why. We don't, we don't know why light has properties of waves and properties of, of particles, depending on when and where and how you look at them. But, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those properties of the universe where maybe eventually we'll have an explanation and, uh, you know, maybe not. It's just that, but I, I think, I think there's kind of, I mean, my interpretation of that at least was that light is in fact fundamentally a wave but you know like traversing the universe like it is fundamentally a wave and wait how was i how was i trying to think of this because because it's kind of interesting when you have to describe because 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 when you say they're packets of of this of this energy you're kind of describing it in terms as you said of particles right you're, and 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 when you say okay i'm directing it towards like for example if let's say some explosion happened somewhere and when i'm saying explosion i'm saying like stellar astronomical supernova or some kind of explosion the light yeah the, yeah the light would totally just remanate outwards in all like circular direction right right yeah but so i was just thinking would there's more than one Photon, I guess that's not really no, not really. I'm just trying to. I guess I'm trying to think of this as I'm talking about it, so I don't really have my thoughts, you know, truly, truly thought about because I was I was thinking about this interesting idea right now, 
but I don't think maybe it's not fundamentally a wave. Maybe it's just fundamentally both. Yeah. Because I know the I, whole thing of the wave particle duality agreement is that it's mathematically a wave, right? That's the big thing that mathematically we can represent this and we can see properties of it being a wave. But when we look at it, it behaves like a part. I mean, not always, right? The double slit experiment. That's us looking at it being a wave, right? Technically, I guess, if you, you know, technically it's the illusion of it being a wave, but still. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you're... Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely interesting, yeah. If you're, um, um, what's it called? You're emitting photons at a very slow pace, right? Like one at a time through the double slit. You're going to be seeing just like single photons hit, but the more and more photons you actually send out, the more it starts to give you this, um, this, uh, superposition, uh, what's it called? What's the word I'm looking for? Cons destructive, cons uh, constructive interference pattern. Yeah, that's what I was Interference. Yeah, interference. In interference yeah. patterns. So the whole, the whole interesting thing about this, uh, about the idea of, of photons. Now, now we've spoken about them, the whole wave particle duality situation, because fundamentally speaking, you can think of these photons that we talk about as these waves. And that's a whole that, you know, opens up a whole new idea or a whole new wave of thinking about light, right? Because initially the double slit experiment, the initially the double slit experiment was done on light on photons mm -hmm. and then the idea was then traversed onto electrons as well mm -hmm. and then similar results were seen with electrons and then saying okay electrons are not actually particles either but even we can represent them as waves mm -hmm. like in the electric field and it turns out everything has so, a wavelength yeah yeah exactly right so that so the whole wave particle duality thing kind of got people thinking about, well, okay, if it applies to light, why can't it apply to other things? Why can't it apply to all other particles of nature? And interestingly enough, all other particles of nature, these force carrying particles, have these fundamental wave-like properties. And this wave-particle duality nature gives us a very succinct way to understand it. Now, why though? Because waves so w when we represent particles we have a position and we have a momentum we have those two variables defined when we have a wave however that's not the case we can have a varying momentum and a varying position now when i say varying that might make not much sense to you but a nice way of thinking about it is if you're trying to measure it and it's always moving back and forth between three and minus three. So it's like moving back and forth between three and minus three. So it's kind of like, it's an uncertainty of position. So it's kind of varying between different positions. And the same thing is happening with its momentum. And that fundamental property of it being a wave is what allows us to transition into quantum mechanics, right? So moving into quantum mechanics is when we realize these uncertainties and quantize these equations, right? And the, the whole goal in, in, in quantum mechanics is to, is to quantize an equation of motion and to, or, to, or to understand, okay, this is happening in the real world. Let's see if it happens in the quantum realm as well. 
So then they applied it to the quantum realm, understanding light and understanding the, all of this whole deal. And turns out, again, this whole wave particle duality situation with all these particles be fundamentally being waves can directly be applied into quantum mechanics, right? Now, we, now, we don't want to maybe get too deep into it, but the most important um, notion of quantum mechanics, a very important notion of quantum mechanics is the wave function. And as described by its name, it's, it's a wave. It's, it's, a, it's a function that's an, os it's an oscillating function. So it's a wave. And making the connection between this wave function, what we've defined, and what we see in the real world, this wave-particle duality, is what allows us to quantize light, right? And make that connection between... Wait, in, in what way does the wave function allow us to quantize light? No, I'm saying the fact that light has a wave-like property and, and obviously we've defined quantum mechanics around these wave-like properties. So we have a thing like the wave function. So I'm saying we can apply the wave-like properties of light into quantum mechanics via things like the wave function is what I'm mm -hmm. trying to say, right? Like via using those so states, we can apply it. I feel like, I feel like those are two different things though. You know, like the wave-like properties of light mm -hmm. and like the wave yeah. function of an electron. It's not really the same, like, you know, because an electron can have wave. I'm just trying to make the relationship in quantum mechanics because the wave function is fundamentally a quantum notion, right? So I'm trying to make the connection between the wave function in quantum mechanics and the wave-like properties of all these particles. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. We can connect it to quantum mechanics via that sure. waveness. Yeah, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. But something that's yeah. even more incredible if you can even get more incredible oh my. is that as we talked about electrons have energy you know they have different uh, like in an, in a, for example a hydrogen atom probably my favorite atom of all time right one proton one electron there are different energy states depending on the the energy level of the electron and so what does that even mean, right? The electron can absorb and emit photons. <clears throat> and as we talked about, photons come in set amounts of energy. And so one thing that we can talk about a little bit is spectroscopy, right? So when an electron, oh yeah, and also before I start talking about this, maybe for, for quantum mechanical reasons, there are set energy levels that an electron can occupy in a hydrogen atom. And this has to do with like the orbit cloud and all that stuff. You know, it can't, there are some, there are some orbits it just can't have and some orbits that it can have. And depending on the energy that it has and the distance away from the nucleus and all that good stuff. All that to say that there are like definite, uh, like unique, you know, uh, energy states that an electron can hold and to go from lower states to upper states it has to absorb an elect uh, a photon meaning that it absorbs energy gains energy moves up to an excited state and when it comes down from a higher excited state to a lower state it has to emit a photon 
And, okay, this is probably like one of my favorite topics <laughs> to talk about because I remember being in class learning about this and it made so much sense. Is this electromag? Is this electromagnetic? No, no, this, is, this was in the first year when we talked about spectrox spectroscopy. And mm. so, uh, just for like reference, if you like burn hydrogen or whatever and you analyze like the, the spectrum of light that, that comes off of that uh, flame or whatever, uh, you see like missing lines of different wavelengths. And this was actually like a mystery for a long time. People were like, okay, well, there's missing lines in hydrogen. And then in different uh, elements, there were different locations of lines that were missing. And everyone was just like, okay, you know, whatever, we'll figure it out later. And some people actually made mathematical guesses that lined up pretty well. Essentially, it was like a, like a mathematical sequence where, you know, you plug in like the, the initial, where the initial uh, line is, like the, let's say like the highest, no, the lowest wavelength. And then you plug it, you plug it into the formula and then it generates the next wavelength and then the next one and the next one. And some of these formulas were actually uh, kind of accurate, but not perfectly accurate. Anyways, the explanation is actually tied to quantum mechanics and these energy levels that electrons can occupy in an atom. So, as I said earlier, to move down from an excited state, let's say from the first excited state to the ground state, which is just, uh, you can call it like the energy zero. As we know, energy is relative, right? So if you just define the energy to be zero at the ground state, and then boom, makes your life a tiny, tiny bit easier. So the first excited state, to go from the first to the ground state, you need to emit a photon, which holds the exact amount of energy that uh, you need to be at the first excited state, right? And as we talked about a little bit earlier, the energy is related to the wavelength of a photon. And so as an electron emits a photon that goes, I guess it would be a little bit it would make a little bit more sense to talk about absorbing. So let's say an electron absorbs a photon that gives it the exact right energy to go from the ground state to the first excited state. Then, you know, you look at the at the spectral lines of the of the hydrogen, that's where that's where the electrons went. Or sorry, that's where the, the, the light went, the photons, right? There were there were missing wavelengths in in, in the in the spectrum. And you say, okay, well, why am I not receiving photons of this exact wavelength? It's because the electrons in the hydrogen atom needed this specific amount of energy to go from the ground state to the first excited state. And so those photons were taken up, absorbed by the electrons, and now you can't see that specific wavelength. And the same thing goes with going from the second state to the third state, or the, you know, so on and so on. And... Uh, these specific jumps actually have names. One of them is called the Lineman series. One of them is called the Balmer series. Uh, I don't remember the other ones off the top of my head. Um, I remember our our quantum mechanics prof putting it in that yeah in that in that graph of energy states. Yeah. I do remember. I think I, 
But uh, yeah, they're different names for the for those jumps. Yeah, but but to me, this is the most like insane discovery ever, right? Because people were studying spectral lines way before quantum mechanics, and they were just like, you know, I have no clue what I'm what I'm looking at right now. And then all of a sudden, you have this crazy theory about how angular momentum is quantized in the orbit of the electron around the nucleus. And mathematically, you can work it out. You can say, okay, if the electron holds the first excited state amount of energy, it should be here, whatever. If it, if it emits that, this amount of energy goes down to the ground state, it should emit a photon that has this much energy and has this wavelength. You look at the spectral lines and it matches it perfectly. You say, oh my God, this is actually for real. You know, quantum mechanics is not just some like weird theory that doesn't work. One of the one of the nicest confirmations. Well, I, you know, I haven't gotten that far into it, but to me, as a as an introduction to quantum mechanics, it was it was a very nice confirmation of like, yeah, this this is actually a thing. Interesting thing about these photons now being you know emitted from these electron jumps. So contrary to the absorption spectrum that you were talking about, you know when the electron is absorbing a photon and you see a dark line, you also see an emission spectrum from like, if let's say you have like a, uh, for example, if you have a telescope in space, for example, and you know, it's not being absorbed by the atmosphere or anything. So there's nothing there. And you are, let's say, observing some hot gas or some kind of, some kind of light bearing astronomical object, right? And you, you, receive the incoming light again a spectrometer is basically a fancy prism is <laughs> basically a fancy prism that splits the light and shows it to you on a spectrum and that's a that's like the nicest way to say it and when the light receives through that telescope splits up you would see well primarily a dark band contrary to the absorption spectrum and you'll see just lights individual individual bands of light now, these individual bands of light is what we call the absorption spectrum, right? The opposite of that emission spectrum. Uh, sorry, sorry. The, the individual bands of light is what we call the emission spectrum opposite to the absorption spectrum. Only difference here is this is where the photon was emitted, right? So contrary to when it's being absorbed, it's primarily dark, but in some some certain energy levels, the, the electron is able to go to a lower state and therefore release a photon. Now, here's where cool stuff happens. What if we're not just talking about like hydrogen or something releasing or, or, just, a, or just a primordial element releasing one of these photons? What if instead we're talking about an atomic nucleus, like a radioactive nucleus, atomic... Uh, um, releasing these high energy photons now that is familiar familiar to what we call gamma radiation so gamma radiation i just i don't i don't know i just want to plug gamma radiation because it's really cool it penetrates through everything it's the most dangerous form of radiation and it's basically a f like a fancy way of saying an a radioactive element is emitting a high energy photon so all of this this uh, relationship between light and the elect and the electron is 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 seen in gamma radiation especially 
right? So if we have, for example, in atomic bombs, I know this is kind of a pessimistic or, or like a doomsday example, but in an atomic bomb, the gamma radiation is what first kills you, right? Because that burns straight through tissue and just goes through the body through and through. It requires like half a block of lead to stop it. Right. So and that's all just a photon. Right. That's just a high energy photon. That's what's insane about it. This whole insane thing that kills people. It's just a photon. It's light. It's just mm -hmm. high energy light. Right? Yeah. And uh, one thing about photons is that they don't just come in the form of visible light. Interesting. This is actually a very interesting uh, comment that I heard. Um, and like, the reason why human eyes have a specific visual spectrum is because of our sun, right? It's optimal for our survival to have this range in uh, like being able to see these photons. You know, why can't we see infrared? It, it could have been the case, right? So imagine, imagine this. This is actually quite, quite a, a, an interesting topic. Imagine if our sun was cooler was less hot and the black body spectrum of our sun was a little bit shifted to the right and peaks a little bit more to the right and so for us or let's say for for creatures on earth that have this by the way when you're saying right you, you didn't explain oh right. right he means like <laughs> yeah. longer wavelength yeah uh, right when you're so, so lower yeah, energy yeah. longer wavelength lower energy that's what happens when the, your sun is cooler um so imagine our sun is cooler uh, the black body spectrum peaks at a lower wavelength now no higher higher, higher wavelength sorry higher uh, lower frequency sorry um mm -hmm. so does this mean and i'm pretty sure i'm like, we don't have any confirmation, but I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. You know, does this mean that people who live on this planet, their eyes would be accustomed to a lower peaking on the, on the wavelength side, right? A lower peaking visual spectrum, which means to us, they would have infrared eyes, and to them, we would have like higher, higher energy absorbing eyes, right? Because well, I cause... mean, there are animals on the planet that have like you know, eyes that can see more than the visible spectrum. It's just that we don't. But that you know, I I guess <laughs> like so many animals can see ultraviolet. Yeah. But that's is is like the is like is like an obvious example. But that's also infrared, I guess, is the other way. But I'm saying it's a possibility that maybe you are. I, I mean, I'm I'm like very positive you are correct. It is an evolutionary thing. It most definitely is, right? Like why else? Exactly. Uh, do yeah, it's, it's most definitely an evolutionary thing. But um, that isn't to say that eyes can't. No, I'm not saying they can't have. I'm just saying the reason why our visual spectrum is where it is is because it encompasses like the most beneficiary interval of light that we must see, right? Everything else is kind mm -hmm. of secondary. Like, you know, if we hadn't invented x-ray machines, what reason would we have to see x-rays, you know? Like, let's like, you know, let's say we're cavemen hunting deer 
why do we need to see x-rays, right? Like, it doesn't really make sense. Um, but I guess nowadays when we're studying galaxies and we have like x-ray images of galaxies, which relays different types of information back, I guess x-ray eyes would be kind of cool. But uh, this is why technology is so is so advantageous, right? Because you can just make x-ray eyes, call it a, just call it a telescope, takes pictures. But funnily enough, you see all these pictures, right? Of like like X-ray images, you also see infrared images, like thermal stuff like that. One thing that I find like a little bit a little bit funny is that these images are actually like the information is translated into visual like the visual spectrum, but you're not actually seeing like the like what it's supposed to look like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because our brains well, can't I mean, even... Can never. We I know, can't. our brains just can't even process. I guess it could. I guess it's our eyes that just don't function that way. And so when you see like an x-ray image of a galaxy, it's it's like a dumbed-down version. Or not dumbed-down. Or like... You know you know, like colorblind glasses? When, when, when colorblind no, people wear glasses. No, I know what you mean. Because like there are... Like on any telescope or any like famous... Um, images of any galaxy or something you can search for all the different spectrums of the image yeah right? like you can search for an ultraviolet image you can search <clears throat> sorry you can search for an infrared image you can even search for an image highlighting certain chemical elements for mm-hmm. example right yeah. so obviously some telescopes and some software can do that so there are like you know highlights and things that we can do to take it further to see the full image but again that's still being translated into visible light yeah at the end of the day i have a question for the audience if anybody knows actually like when colorblind people put on those special glasses do they actually see the colors that their eyes aren't able to see because i'm like i highly doubt that lenses would change like their biological like uh inadequacies i guess is the word like like if your eyes can't see red then how is looking through a lens gonna make you see red the light still has to go through your eyes that can't see the red so i don't know somebody let me know but yeah yeah i'm actually reading up this (laughs) that that, that was such an interesting question i know because 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 like i see videos all the time of like colorblind people like oh my god i could see it but it's like how your eyes are still the light still has to go through your eyes that can't see the color. Wow. So, I mean, there are, I mean, I'm literally looking at these glasses right now (laughs) that are work for colorblind people. And I mean, apparently it does not, you know, it's not, it's definitely not 100% like a regular non-colorblind person. No way, but it's definitely something. And I'm I'm assuming okay colorblind also that's different though because and we can actually get into this because we were talking or now we can actually maybe talk a little bit about the spectrum itself, you know going through the spectrum. So we technically there are there are things on both sides right. We can start with the visible and then we can like or or do you want to start with mm-hmm. one side and go to the other? Because I was th- okay. So like for example, uh, I yeah. mean the best way and to start with this whole thing, right? is um what are they going to say the fundamental notion of the electromagnetic spectrum 
is that light and energy or the energy that the light carries is related to this color that we perceive. That is that fundamental. So the type of light, the type of, uh, of, of placement in the electromagnetic spectrum when we say infrared, when we say x-ray, when we say microwave, whatever, completely and utterly depends on the energy of that given light. And the energy of that given light depends solely on the frequency of that light or 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 you can also say on the wavelength mm -hmm. of that light oh wait right? one second i just gotta explain something real okay. quick this this Go actually forward. relates to the speed of light because hold on hold on let's think about something real quick if the the speed at which the wave is moving is constant right then the only thing that can really add energy is the wavelength you know what i mean so imagine you have like this interval of let's say one meter and you're going up and down you're you're waving like slowly right and then you have another interval same length right but it's the wave is moving at the same speed but it has to go up and down more times in the same interval right intuitively you can say that the one with the shorter wavelength has more energy, right? Because it has to, like, this is just an intuitive, like, hand-wavy explanation. But it's like, the, the wave has to travel more, like, up and down, up and down, up, up, you know, like, very, very, very quickly. And it has to make it from one side of the interval to the other side in the same amount of time as the slow-moving one, the one that's just going up, down, up. So intuitively, when you shorten the wavelength, there's more and more energy. And so, when you actually study the visual spectrum, you see that the lowest wavelength color, or sorry, highest wavelength color, lowest energy, is red. And then as you move up the uh, wavelength, you go all the way through the rainbow, all the way to purple. And so the reason we call it... Violet. Okay. Violet, I'm sorry. Violet. It's called ultraviolet, okay. man. There's a reason it's violet. You want me to call it <laughs> Margaret? I don't know. <laughs> Indigo, I don't know. Indigo, so, you have to. So, infra means like under, right? Infrared, under red. And then ultraviolet, above violet, okay? And then in the ultraviolet range, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it goes X-ray, then gamma rays. Gamma rays yeah. being the highest, the highest energy photon type mm -hmm. that you can ever have. So this is going back into that gamma radiation talk, like a quick snippet that I was yeah. talking about here with the high energy photons are released. So in, in radioactive decay, when these electrons are jumping, you know, down onto a resting state, you know, because because I mean, when when when. When any element is decaying, it releases a bunch of particles, alpha particles, beta particles, gamma particles. And these gamma particles are these photons, these high-energy photons, right? And that's on the spectrum. So any anything over... And again, these are all very discrete levels. And I believe a lot of it is just... Obviously, like, it has been studied and whatnot. But a lot of it is simply our understanding of the spectrum. You know, like... I, I'm pretty sure there can very much be 
higher than gamma, right? Like what? Actually, <laughs> so this actually ties into the Planck length because the but gamma doesn't I think, limit at Planck. There's no way. Does well, it? the shortest slash highest energy photon ever, po- yeah, ever possible. Yeah. would be the, the Planck length, the wavelength being the Planck Exactly, Planck-like. when the wavelength is equal to the Planck length, exactly. I think gamma ray just like goes all the way up, you know? I guess, I guess, I guess gamma is just what we call all the yeah. way. And we were talking about infrared and talking about on the other side of infrared, so sub-red, we have radio waves. Mm. So these are the most popular type of waves that we use and all our cell towers, everything, you know, FM radio, for example, <laughs> is all based off of radio waves, right? Oh, wait, we didn't get into microwaves. Microwaves is after ultraviolet before x-rays. So that that's microwaves. And interestingly enough, microwaves have microwaves. Not a lot of people actually think about that. Like, you know, when you say I have a microwave in my kitchen, like that microwave, the fact that it produces these electromagnetic waves, not a lot of people know that. And, and, and these microwaves are interestingly enough because so what because they're higher energy than visible light. So we can't again see them, right? Because it's higher energy. Anything after the violet, we can't see. So the microwaves basically simply excite the water and heat up the water in your food, hence heating it up. Anyways, I mean that's that's another topic. But talking about the mm. microwave in a microwave is an interesting topic on the higher section of light something interesting about microwaves is that the reason yeah. why that sometimes like one spot is cold and, and, and another spot on your plate is warm is because when you turn on your microwave it creates this this interference pattern this like three-dimensional interference pattern of like constructive waves and destructive waves inside your microwave and the way your microwave is actually built it's made to like annihilate the field outside like like the way the material the box is actually built it kind of conceals the whole like deadly warming up part (laughs) to, to the inside of the microwave and then basically if like one spot on your plate is like like not crossing like a constructive area of this microwave field i guess you can say uh that it just you know it never gets the effect of the the heating up the the food rotates in a microwave right so it can hopefully get all the different parts in case any one particular was not accounted for so that's actually nice and also because i mean because you brought up the thing that oh it's dangerous outside of the box Jesus, sorry. So all of these uh, higher energy light, ultraviolet included, even ultraviolet, but obviously the higher the energy, the worse, are all carcinogens almost, you can maybe call them, because they all are cancerous, cancerous forms of light. Reason being, they are shorter, again, in, um, in wavelength. They are shorter and therefore are able to penetrate our skin. And because of that, they are able to mess with the DNA and mess with the tissues, causing small mutations here and there, which then causes along the road cancer, right? So usually that's why you never put 
ever, ever put a pregnant lady through an x-ray <laughs> because that could cause cancer to the kid, for example, because obviously lack of whatever. Don't want to get into that part, but I'm just trying to give you the, uh, just give you the, the reasoning behind, you know, higher energy. The reason it's also, you know, bad is because it's bad for our bodies, literally because it can penetrate through it. And usually it's what we, you know, relate to cancerous radiation. Gamma radiation is primary, primarily cancer radiation. So when we ever talk about, you know, again, I keep, I keep going back to the bombings example. I don't know what's <laughs> in my head. But anyway, going back to the bombings example, like even if you weren't in the blast radius, there can be a huge radioactive radius, no, radioactive radius. And that is mm. actually even more dangerous because then your kids, your kids' kids will all have some form of mutation. And this has actually been seen in Japanese cities and stuff like that. This conversation got really dark. Well, I'm right. sorry. But, but I just wanted to bring up how the, the relationship between high energy electromagnetic waves and us. Because we were talking about microwaves and dangerous microwaves. Right. Remember when we were talking about your classroom then? <laughs> the first day of physics with Rayhan. So you're in a car crash and a bomb goes off. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> now, I missed now, now you're Now you're flying through the windshield and you're getting radiation. You're dying both ways at once. It's It's terrible. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough life. It's a tough life. But anyway, I was... <laughs> I was I was talking about radio waves, right? And how useful they are. Because radio waves is on the other side of the spectrum. So anything lower frequency-wise and higher wavelength-wise than infrared, we call radio waves. Now, obviously, we're not telling you the numbers because, like, no one, it doesn't really matter. O the only maybe important numbers maybe we can know is that visible light is from roughly 400 to 700 nanometers, that's the wavelength of visible light. That's the only important numbers. The rest, they're just very particular and scattered around. But that's the big one. But uh, so, so radio waves, contrary to your higher energy, do not penetrate through your body whatsoever, right? And that is why, that is exactly why they are used to, for communications, right? So when you have your phone and you're calling someone or whatever, right, the reason it's not really that bad for you is because these waves are literally simply passing through your body because the wavelength is so much longer, right? So that's the whole deal. Wavelength, longer, frequency, smaller, energy, smaller, right? So that's the whole deal. It still travels at the speed of light though. Still travels very much at the speed of light. And that's the biggest thing. All of this spectrum still traveling at this constant speed. All of this that we just spoke about in the last like 15, 20 minutes, all of it still traveled at the speed of light, mm -hmm. but they're just different properties and different things that we can see, you know, and we can observe via all of these mm -hmm. methods that we've, you know, come up and with. You know, it's pretty funny. I have two things to say here. First thing, okay. when did radio come out, right? Was it in the 20s that like radios came out? Anyway, okay, let's pretend it's the 20s. This means that the 1906. Okay, 1906. Was the first ever radio broadcast. Okay, so it's been 115 years. So this means that the actual what? radio, okay. the, the radio wave sphere around the Earth is 115 light years in radius, right? Meaning that any, any receptor 
within 150, 15 light years of the Earth can actually intercept radio transmissions from earlier epochs of our technological advancements. And also, let's say there's, there's an alien chilling at 120 light years away. In five years from now, he's going to be receiving the very first radio transmissions that humans ever sent out. Another thing is that, as we talked about, radio waves and light, visual light waves are, you know, the same breed, right? They're all, they're all just different energy levels of, of electromagnetic radiation, which means that the same concept applies with, with like visual stuff, which means that if, let's say, an alien civilization with a really big telescope, let's say it's 65 million light years away, they're going to be seeing the Earth 65 million years ago, which means they're going to be seeing dinosaurs. So imagine you're an alien civilization. You're like, all right, let's go and look for, let's go and look for life in the universe. You look at the Earth, you're like, oh my God, there's giant reptiles. They would have no idea about what we're doing right now. Obviously, if they have that kind of technology, they would know that, right? They would have... No, they literally can't. No, no, they no. They would know that they're looking at us in the past oh that's what you mean they they wouldn't be able to assume that what we are now right but exactly that's just something cool right because it's just the photons that were reflected off of (laughs) from the sun reflected off of the dinosaurs in the direction of these aliens are just now reaching their telescopes and then they're like oh look there's these giant reptiles here and, uh, okay, there's a very small chance. I mean, I get your point, but there's a very small chance no, that can actually this, see. No, listen, it. this telescope would have to be absolutely ginormous. Exactly, but, <laughs> exactly. It would have to be some next level but telescope. But it's possible. That's all I'm saying. It's possible. By the way, is your mic audio levels yeah. good? Yeah. No, they're good. Oh, it's good? Okay, okay, cool, cool. So, and the interesting thing about, you know, this whole this whole dinosaur situation, like him th- them seeing this is because fundamentally you know when i learned originally in astronomy and i think this is a big moment for everyone you know when you when you learn because i don't know i think this was I, th- I think this is a big moment for everyone i think it's safe to say when you learn that the things that you're seeing are you know hundreds of millions of light years or, or years ago mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of literally years ago you can you you sometimes start to think well what is actually in the sky right mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. you don't know the answer exactly that. you know what i mean you you technically never know and the something that. that's awesome which we talked about in an astronomy episode is hubble's law right the further you are away from earth the faster you're moving away from earth and that's just due to the expansion of earth. the universe which means that there is a radius around the earth there's like this sphere surrounding the earth at which at that point on the edge of the sphere you are moving the speed of light away from the earth which means that Mm. as soon as you cross that boundary the photons that are being emitted will never ever ever reach the earth and hypothetically interestingly enough these galaxies are moving away from us faster than the speed of yeah, light. That's right. So everyone's like, what? How is that a possibility? <laughs> and the biggest thing is because now an hour, and this is what I love about physics. This is what I love about physics. 
That's what I love about physics. Whenever we encounter a problem, we either try to find a solution. Or we make up a solution. We just, exactly, we just make up a solution. We just like, okay, dark energy. But it turns out like, it's, it's low-key right. It's yeah, low-key no, it, right. It turns out it's quite a viable solution. It turns out it, it does make quite a lot of sense. But I'm, I'm just trying to joke on that yeah. fact. But uh, the, whole, the whole point of this, this, uh, this radius that's going to be you know, fleeting from us, it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. because, And I think we have, I've definitely recommended this. I think we both recommended this on a previous episode. Um, I keep mispronouncing the chance. It's not. It's Kurzgesagt. I, I keep saying Kurzgesagt yeah. video, the limit of humanity. Yeah, crazy video. video where truly he shows in the end how we could come to a stage. And I, I remember saying this exact thing, how we can come to a stage where we see nothing in the night sky. Yeah. And that would literally be, and that will be a future if we stay on earth forever, obviously. That'll take a so fat minute though. <laughs> Yeah, no, it'll obviously, it'll take a very, very long amount of time. But yeah. the the whole point, the the point is that that's what's happening. That's where it's mm. going, you know? Yeah. Like, just because that's not where it is, we can still understand the process. You know what I mean? Unless... We, we're understanding the process that the galaxies are flying away from one another. And one day, the universe will be so large that no galaxies will be able to see each other. And it will yeah. just be... Like each galaxy will basically be its own, uh, its own island almost. Yeah, you and know? they would look in, at in, they would look at in the ancient the they would look at ancient fo- like photographs of the night sky and be like, "This is what the night sky used to look like." And it's like these crazy like images of the Milky Way and everything. It's like, whoa. That would be so cool. well, I guess we would still be able to see the Milky Way. But I'm saying like other galaxies, right? Well, yeah, but other stuff, yeah. like half the stuff would disappear. Yeah. I mean, I guess not half the stuff because a lot of the a lot of the stars in the, I mean, guess I guess if the Milky Way is staying, then a lot of yeah. the stars in our night sky would stay. Yeah. But again, the idea is that a lot of the other like a still a big chunk of yeah. the sky would disappear. A big very big chunk of the sky would disappear. For but sure. uh, just that's just the idea, you know, the fact that these things are residing away and even light, even light can't keep up mm-hmm. with it. Light itself cannot even, you know, try a little bit harder just to reach our <laughs> eyes. You know, it goes at the speed of light, but, you know, the, the fabric of space-time has no limits. We didn't talk about causality. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but whatever. Because, like, it's always interesting, you know, to talk about, because especially with the whole information argument and how these things are moving at this fastest speed possible you know it's it's almost Mm. defining it's almost defining the speed between any two events or any two things happening or if we can just have a quick word on causality i think just the fundamental notion or the idea of causality is a cause and an effect so there, so every effect has a cause. So the road to causality is always every single event that occurs in the universe was caused by something. And that's just, you know, the, the idea that physicists and scientists have been following forever, basically. So the idea that there is this fastest speed in the universe, the speed of light, almost points or does, not almost, it does point to the speed of causality. So the, the speed between any two successive events or the speed between causing something and something happening. You know what I mean? So if that speed is limited. 
That's a, that's a finite speed. And that interpretation of the universe itself, I think, is quite beautiful. That there isn't, like, you know, any instantaneous like instantaneous effect, nothing like that. Like, it's a quantifiable amount of time or amount of speed between the cause and the effect of any event. And that's also a bigger... Or, or not bigger, but like that's also an, uh, like a neat discovery with the fact that the speed of light is, you know, this fastest, godforsakenly high speed, basically. Yeah, light, really cool, man. Really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think like a great, a very, a very big barrier in the future is actually going to be the speed of light itself. Because in the future, when technology and you know our engineering is going to get better then what's going to happen is that we're going to have spaceships that can go very very fast right but obviously humans are achievers right we want bigger better faster we're going to get to the point where we literally can't go faster without it costing more than the entire earth is worth or our entire like <laughs> you know we're we're getting diamonds from pluto and and all these resources from different asteroids, but to build that better ship that goes, you know, 10% faster than the previous one is going to cost so much money that we just can't do it. And not only that, is that it, it'll get exponentially more expensive the closer you want to get to the speed of light. And then only at that point do you realize how actually slow the speed of light is. Because the speed of light is incredibly slow. Yeah, go ahead. But well, the interesting thing about the fact of that about the speed of light is the whole universe seemingly revolves around the speed. So even though the speed is tremendously slow, the time that passes for you is also relatively slow. So traveling at a very high velocity. So for example, and I mean, I know this doesn't really make sense, but just bear with me. The easiest way to say that a photon doesn't experience any time. That from the time from which it was, it was created at the center of the sun to which it reaches our eyes, it experienced zero time. And that's simply because of the fact that it traveled at the speed of light. Now, Obviously, we can't do that. So let's say we go a little slower than the speed of light. The interesting thing about this whole relativity time dilation thing with the speed of light is the closer you go to it, the slower your time goes, right? So you're now all of a sudden your 25 light year experience that will take the earth. So for, for people on the earth, it'll take you 25 years. But for you on that actual spaceship, you would be chilling. You would maybe be there in a couple of years. You know, maybe a couple, I mean, obviously the closer you are to the speed of light, it is greatly exponential. So the closer you get to the speed of light, the, the less and less and less and less it takes, but you can actually do a calculation and, you know, like a 25 light year journey. If you're traveling at nine, 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 the speed of light, even though that's, I actually haven't thought about this so much, it will be a very, but I'm saying if you go close to the speed of light, there's no way that like you can do like a million light years in your lifetime, right? Not a million. But here's what I'm saying. The, the, the observable universe is 90, 
billion. I guess that. Right? So you can't even do one million light years. No, but we can't use regular space travel for reaching. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we would have to come up with again an Einstein Rosen a wormhole. (laughs) You know, we have to come up with something like that because mathematically it exists. (laughs) We don't have the technology or the science. I swear to God, man, it exists. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It does. Right. So we just need a hope. I believe you. We just Anyways. need a hope. And uh, I mean, who knows, you know, like science. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not saying in our lifetime, maybe not, but like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years from now, which is nothing, by the way, in comparison to the earth, like a million, 20 million years from now, you think humanity is still going to be on earth? I mean, if they are, we're done. There's no way. There's no way we're going to still be on Earth. Like, we I mean, have to be a multi-planetary species. At that well, point. yeah, but there, there's probably still people that are going to be chilling on the Earth. If it's like, like, here's the thing. I think on the low, like on the low, on the low we're going to save the, the environment. Like on the like people are going to start clicking when like things really start going bad. Like right now things are like, we're not actually in this like, world. Like, like we're not seeing the effects that much. Right. When I'm saying dumb, also, by the way, I don't actually mean stupid. I mean ignorant and, you know, people okay. who won't listen. All I'm saying is that when things, when things are really going to go. I, I mean, I hope. Everyone hopes, you know. Everyone hopes. Because the thing is, see, here's the thing. Like, there's a there are a lot of problems in the world. A lot of problems, you know. Like, poverty, like, child mal- like malnutrition. Like, there are a lot of problems in the world. Climate change is actually not even, like, top 50. But it's the most predominant. It's the one that we, everyone's talking about. So everyone's like, okay, climate change. Yay, climate change. But there are a lot more issues in the planet right now, on the earth right now, that we're not really dealing with. But climate change has just got this big name. So even if we were, the, the, but the thing is, we can't like just, right. like right now at least, even in the direction we're going, okay, EV cars are good. Think twice, man. <laughs> When the the factories required to make the batteries for the EV cars are a lot, a lot more, um, a lot worse for the environment than those that make, you know, non-EV cars. So if you actually add up the price of the battery manufacturing to the environment, I'm not saying price money-wise, I'm saying price to the environment, a manu- a manufacturing the battery versus the price to the environment of let's say a petrol car it's actually not that different like you really start seeing ev not being that much greater like unless we change the way and i know there are new battery technologies coming out like elon musk with his new plaid model there are like new battery technologies you know here and there so it's really cool that we're coming up with those ideas but unless we get those ideas you know climate change ain't going anywhere oh right we need to collectively <laughs> care about yeah. this, all of us. We need to collectively for sure, care. For sure, for sure. That's let's what, that's what let's donate ten percent of the proceeds from our merch to go to climate change. <laughs> no, that that, that the joke? there's no produce. there's no joke. This is this is what we're doing. So make sure to buy our <laughs> our merch so we can save the planet together. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. this can one step at a time. This concludes. It's a wonderful conclusion to our discussion on light. Um, a pretty interesting. Thank you so much for listening. 
to this episode of the podcast. If you have any episode suggestions, make sure to hit us up on Instagram at math.physics.podcast. Make sure to leave a comment underneath this video to become the comment of the week. Follow, subscribe, like. That's about it. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been episode number 67 of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. We will see you soon. Bye, everybody.